My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HR Sound Off. This episode I have dubbed as HR Reignited. This episode is for all of you HR professionals out there who may be feeling stuck in your career, might be feeling a little lost or frustrated because as HR professionals, that can happen to us from time to time. My guest today wrote a book which I have dubbed as one of my Bibles. The book... HR on purpose, which means you know the author if you've read this book before. And if you haven't, you need to go to Amazon right now and get this book actually on Audible as well. So you can hear him actually read the book. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Steve Brown. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Julie. It's great to be here. This is fun because I think it's fascinating that by technology, we can talk to people around the globe now. So I'm very excited to be a part of this. Absolutely. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this for me today. So, Steve, the question that I ask every person that comes into the sound booth, how did you get here? Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into HR. Well, it's an interesting story, I guess. Uh, I started out wanting to get into science, chemical engineering and chemistry, because I was very good at it in high school and very good at math and science. Mm -hmm. And like most people that go to college or university, you're told by your parents, find a career that pays well. So I picked the one that paid the most and went into it. And it was <laughs> before, before the idea of STEM and all these other things, which mm -hmm. is, they're great fields. And I... Uh, I'm a little unique in that I can do the technical side, but I'm very social as well. Right. And after a while, I found out I was paying more attention to the people than I was the technical side of my education. And my grades failed. When I came out of high school, I was the top student in my high school class. And I was one uh, quarter away from failing out of college altogether. Wow. And my mom got me aside and said, don't you see that you're around people all the time? Mm -hmm. You should find something where you can be around people. I, I love it when people say, mm -hmm. I'm a people person, and they really aren't. No. Uh, most, <laughs> most, people, most people tolerate people or a group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I am. I am a crazy people person. I would rather be around people than ever be alone, which mm -hmm. is both good and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, when I looked at it, uh, there was... Uh, I could switch my major to communications, and I have this long title on my degree now. It's interpersonal communications, which wow. sounds very fancy, mm -hmm. but it's really not. And, <laughs> uh, and in it, I was in an interviewing class. And in the interviewing class, at the end of the class, the students had to pick who interviewed who. And the interview, and the kids in my class picked that I should interview myself. I took that as a sign, like I should go into this field. So yeah. I went into a recruiting, uh, starting out at a very large company, a Fortune 100 company. Found out it's a fantastic company, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. But I found out that I didn't fit there very well. 
I didn't know what culture meant at the mm -hmm. time because we didn't mm -hmm. talk about culture. culture. Heck, yeah. when I started, uh, it wasn't even called human resources because uh, I've been around far too long. Uh, <laughs> but uh, after I left there, I went and became mm -hmm. a generalist right. and have been a generalist ever since. Uh, was a department of one mm -hmm. for the vast majority of my career until mm -hmm. the last 13 years where mm -hmm. I've been uh, a VP of HR and now I have a staff, and they're the most amazing people ever. Uh, but I am still firmly entrenched in the people side of business. Okay. That's a lot. But you talked about so many things there that I know. As you were talking, I was hearing your book. Especially, yes. yes. <laughs> Especially that first part in terms of how you got into HR um, and, and being able to recognize that. And, and this um, being Mother's Day um, on the, on this side of the of the world, I'm sure you're very grateful to your mother for for inspiring you that way. Absolutely, I, it was uh, great. Is my mother and father are great influences in my life, and I mm -hmm. I think that parents of all types influence us. Uh, they have the chance to do it well or the chance to not do it well. My parents, fortunately were amazing and they invested both in myself and my brother. And it was always that whatever you choose to do, we will support you. But she also recognized this is what I see in you and you should follow what you see in others. Uh, she's a great example. If you met her, uh, you think I'm an extrovert? Jeez, I seem shy compared to her. Wow. Uh, we, grew up, we grew up in a very small town in mm -hmm. Northwest Ohio. And to this day, my mother is known by everybody in the town, literally wow. everybody in the town. And she knows every one of them by name, what they do, who they are. So it was an easy model to follow. That's HR at its best, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So you wrote this book, this book, which I have dubbed my Bible, HR on Purpose. What made you, what inspired you to write this book? I've been able to go and speak all over the United States. Uh, I, I would love to speak other places, hint, hint. Uh, but someday, <laughs> I hope that happens. Uh, and, and what's funny is I'm a storyteller, always have been. I think people learn from stories. And the thing I like about it is people can take away what they choose to use. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at somebody, as somebody who has a model of follow these steps and therefore it will work. I think there's value in those because it mm -hmm. gives people a direction. However, every person is different and every environment is different. So it felt a little awkward to try and write something that was very prescriptive, like most business and HR books are. Yeah. You know, and what's funny is if the formulas worked in these books, why would you need more than one book? Because mm -hmm. you could write one and go, hey, we're done. It exactly. works for everybody. Yes. Uh, thankfully, it's not that way. So after giving presentations, several people said, we really like what you should say. You should write it down. Mm -hmm. And I've been writing for years, mm -hmm. uh, all the way back into high school. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed writing. It's just a way for me to express myself. I've had a blog now for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. But just to share, not to, you know, tell. Right. So I thought, well, if I can write a chapter. So this was my challenge to myself. If I can right. sit down and write a chapter... I'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I chose to go to this restaurant that's near my work. Uh, it's this little hole in the wall place. It's also, mm -hmm. it's primarily a bar that happens right. to serve food. Okay. 
So I sat down with a laptop, mm -hmm. wrote a chapter of all new stuff, and went, huh. So then I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and I wrote like nine chapters. And when I submitted it to Sherm, I said, here you go. Here's where I'm going. Doesn't this look great? Mm -hmm. And they said, they said, that's a good start. And I went, oh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> getting nine chapters was hard okay. enough. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I had some good people around me who talked about structure, who talked about content and the rule of thumb I heard. And I'd never heard this before. Right. Write, write enough that there's a spine on the book. So when you have a book, a printed book, you want to be able to read the title of the book. Right. So if it's sitting on a shelf, mm -hmm. you can read the title. So if you right. can't write one that's thick enough to have a spine, you're not really done yet. Right. Fascinating to me. Wow. So I did. But the uh, thing I asked going in was, can I just tell stories? Mm -hmm. And this is where I was looking at it, Julie. I am not someone who's as talented to write a novel so right. that in the first sentence of the first chapter matches the last sentence of the last chapter 500,000 words later. I don't think that way. Right. So I, try, I chose to write vignettes. So if you see a chapter, like chapter four really speaks to you, I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. because then I think you can take the book or any written material and apply it to who you are and what you do. Right. Chapter eight might not be good for you at all, and mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. So in, instead of trying to make it so absolute for the reader, mm -hmm. I wanted to give you different points in the spectrum. You pick mm -hmm. what works for you, and then you can apply it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, one of the things I've enjoyed from authors is when I find material that's applicable and tangible, I'll keep it all the time and reference it often. Right. Uh, but if it's just someone's thoughts, not not as uh, not as much engaging. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I I understand that, and I really appreciate that you took the time to write this book because it really has it meant a lot to me personally, and I know that it has um, really changed me as an HR professional. Um, and as I mentioned to you before when we were talking, you know, just knowing that I do have a voice and I have a, I have a way to use it is very important to me. And your book, has, your book has taught me that for sure. But one thing that I share out of your book all of the time to other, other professionals and, and um, especially um, leaders and parents, because I think it's so important. You say in your book to parents, your children are going to be employees in the future. Raise your children like you recognize they're going to be employed somewhere. <laughs> I think that this is super powerful because I, I find, especially as HR professionals, as we deal with every single person in the organization, so many different personalities, I honestly believe, especially when we have difficult employees, um, that there are moments where I'm like, where were the parents of this particular individual? Sure. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things I've learned over time, Julie, is this. Uh, everybody is different. When we talk about diversity, we try to force it into a program or a system or a process mm -hmm. instead of just saying we're different. So even the idea of family it's not the same as when I started growing up as families. Uh, families are so diverse and so varied, and I love that. 
However, with that comes different challenges. Did I get the time I needed? Did I get the appreciation I needed? Did I get the support I needed? I remember when my son was growing up, we have two children, they're adults now, but when my son was growing up, he was not as good of a student as my daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, what's odd is we raised him in the same house. We, we, my wife and I are still the same. We use the same tools, two different kids. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a good example. So when I went to parent-teacher conferences with my wife, the teacher would sigh. And I'm like, well, why are you sighing? She goes, mm-hmm. you're the parents who care. I need to see the parents who don't. Wow. And I went, wow, I had no idea that Mm -hmm. was a problem. Now, those same children that didn't get the nurturing and shepherding and encouragement still enter the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that may seem a little too odd in a workforce environment, like parenting an employee, it's probably needed more than they think. Some people needed discipline when they were young, and now they get discipline when they're older. Mm-hmm. The difference is, in HR, I think you can encourage and, and coach and lift up and give people opportunities. I don't think you can change people. I think you give them opportunities to behave in a way that allows them to perform. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you're on the right path. Because mm-hmm. I've had some people come from very challenging backgrounds be amazing leaders in our organization. Mm-hmm. And I've had others who've had great education, mom and dad all the time, and they're horrible employees. <laughs> so so it, uh, I think it, it matters. Just remember that, uh, you know, when kids are young, they take in everything. Mm-hmm. When they're older, when we're older, we tend to give people only snippets of information. And we've closed them in so much in the way they think, the way they see the world, the way they imagine in my thing, idea is in HR, we should open that up. Let you know, bring that back, that five-year-old back that was yes. just, I can do anything in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you'll see amazing talent yes. just under the surface. But it has to come from us and how we treat them. That's so true. I, I you know, it's so funny when you were saying that. I, I remember one of my favorite um, artists, T.J. Morton. He has a song called "Like a Kid Again." And in, in that song, he talks about, you know, just believing in yourself like a kid again. You have so many hopes, so many dreams, so many aspirations. And even though you're an adult, you can still be that person in the in the future, in your organization, um, in the world. And and that really um, that really speaks volumes to me. As, as HR professionals, though, um, I know one of the things that I personally struggled with very early in my career was being a department of one. And in your book, you talk about the department of one. For those um, HR professionals who are a department of one, what is the one piece of crucial advice you would share with them right now if they're feeling demotivated or deflated? That's a, that's a deep question. Uh, no, I told you I, you were going to come. I, I like <laughs> it. Uh, I think the key to remember in any HR role, especially if you're in a department of one, is you have to remember that you're a person too. We tend to think of people in HR third party, those people. I wish they would listen. Even our language is, is formatted around as if they're different humans and we're not. We're above that. We're this entity of human resources, which is just silly. 
the more I've met people and been the flawed, challenged, you know, same person that has ups and downs as, as the people I work with, mm-hmm. it gets me more seen as a human first. Yeah. Uh, and when you do that, you know, why laugh when they laugh? I, I cry when people cry. I mm-hmm. get mad when people get mad. I mm-hmm. don't shut people down. I'll give you a great example. Even though it's not Department of Warren right now, right now mm-hmm. with the whole virus and the pandemic, right. people's emotions are heightened to, to a, a level I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is people are not afraid to show them now. In, in the past, it would be, I'll just swallow it, I'll keep it in. Now it's on, it's on the table. Yeah. And what's interesting is you can either say, oh no, Julie, it'll be okay, calm down, come on. And we try <laughs> to treat them like a, like a little puppy. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I understand that you're mad, let it out, go crazy, I'm angry too, come on. Mm-hmm. You allow people to express their humanity, they become, they trust you more, you have more credibility with them, mm-hmm. and you have a more open door to have crucial conversations, deep conversations, meaningful conversations. If you can establish that relationship, especially as a department of one, with your team and the employees you work with, the door's wide open. You can do almost anything. You'll get overwhelmed, mm-hmm. but so are they. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get frustrated, but so are others. Yeah. So quit thinking of people in the third party, and you'll do much better. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That sounds like very good advice to follow, and I hope that all of our listeners who are a department of one would have benefited from that. One last thing I wanted to touch with you before we move on. In terms of um, how HR is perceived, so, like, a lot of times when I ask people, you know, um, how they feel about HR or their HR department or whatever the case may be, a lot of people say, well, I don't see HR. They're always at their desk or they're always behind closed doors. Their department is separated from ours. They're not seen as, like, a part of the actual organization. Some people, like, they only see us when something goes wrong. And I always, um, recently... Uh, a group of us, um, some colleagues of mine, we actually sat down to watch the Big Bang Theory, the episodes where Sheldon and, and, and Raj and everyone gets sent to the HR department. And it just made me think of those times that the only time it is perceived that you see HR is when there's something wrong or when you're in trouble. How can HR, we as HR professionals, um, make ourselves more visible? I go back to your book again. And the, the experience that you give where you talk about your boss who, um, who came looking for you, but you weren't there. And you said, you know, you, you believe in just moving around and going through the organization and talking to people. How can HR professionals who have been stuck at their desk for however long make that move to become more visible? You have to be intentional and be willing to take a risk, first and foremost. If you're not willing to take a risk, this will never happen. There are great aspects of our professional that are aspirational. I wish I was this. I hope to attain this. You shouldn't lose that. However, my rule of thumb is this. If a department has people, it has HR. Every department has people. Therefore, I need to be inside that department. It doesn't mean I have to do what they do. I'm not a finance person. I'm not a marketing person. I'm not an operations person but I can take care of the human aspects of that department. So the first thing you need to do is get away from your desk. 
And I've talked to people who say, you just don't understand my organization. Well, then if that's the problem, you need to talk to your leader and say, I can make our HR different if. Bring a solution to the table. How would you like it if HR was like this and not like it currently is? Give them options. Not, you know, get, come, I'm so mad, I'm so frustrated, uh, and you just whine. <laughs> no, one, no one needs that. No. But, but if you go out and say, hey, this isn't working. You know, it's not. This could. So give, show me the way. Too often in HR, we wait for people to give us permission. We should take hold of it and just mm -hmm. own it straight out. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole thing of it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I don't think you should go that far. You shouldn't be that radical. Right. But my thing is a bit at a time. So put it in your calendar. Tell yourself, I'm going to get away from my desk and go out and be with people for half an hour. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it at 45 minutes. I'm going to do it for an hour. We keep thinking that if we get away from our desks and the tasks at hand, that we can't get our work done. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Never been true. The more I surround myself with others, the better my work becomes. The more I do it by myself, the more mm -hmm. isolated I am. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be the person who always gets the crud. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's an awful day. Let's go see HR. I mean, it's just terrible. Yes, exactly. Um, we should be the people who handle the difficult situations at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that. Yeah. But here's the rule of thumb I would use. If, you, if the comment you hear is, I go to HR, you're reactionary. If you have the comment in your organization, HR comes to me, you know you're being proactive. Yeah. So I can come to you just to say, Julie, how's today going? Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I heard the kids are going crazy. What's happening? Yeah. Those little touch points make, are so much more foundational to good HR. Mm -hmm. They're not trite. They're not wasting time. Mm -hmm. Those small touch points connect you to the organization. The more I'm seen as a connector in the organization, the better HR is going to be. So you got to be intentional about it. Absolutely. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, this organization that I am with right now, one of the things that I love is um, almost we're, we're all huge football fans, but we are all fans of different football teams. So for me, being born in the UK, I am a devout Manchester United fan, have been since I was five. No one, no matter what, good, bad, or indifferent, that is my team. And everybody else in the office has their own team. Generally, there's a war between us in terms of Manchester United versus Arsenal or Man City. You, no matter what, there's that, there's that little war in between there with everyone. So like the first thing we always ask people when they come through the door, which football team do you support? <laughs> then we just, we, like, we, know, we know where you're gonna sit, <laughs> kind of thing. But I also love the fact that I can go out in the morning, I can sit with the teams and I can ask them, so what challenges do you have today? Like, what's getting in your way? You look frustrated, what's going on? Now, I might not understand every intricacy because I'm not a developer or I'm not a quality analyst, but I do understand pain sure. and, I, and I understand frustration. And then I just say, well, what are you going to do that's going to help you not, you know, get that out of your way? But it's also a way for me to understand the business better. And if I understand the business better, I can give you better resources because I understand what you need. So I, I totally 
um, appreciate the importance of getting up from my desk. And I might sometimes be away from my desk. I'm usually away from my desk more than an hour. That's the truth. Because I check in, I check in, in the morning. I walk mm-hmm. through one part of the office in the morning. Our office is three floors. So I'll walk through one part of the office in the morning, another part in the afternoon. And then I, I might do both parts, another two parts in the afternoon or two parts in the morning. It depends. But I walk around and I, and I talk to people about different things. And whether it's about, as you said, the children or, you know, football, which is huge for us. Um, learning the afternoon office banter, there's always a topic of the day that is just like super weird. Um, but the fact that we are not together right now, we've actually created a virtual lunchroom so that people Great. can still come together and have those um, topics of the day. Uh, but I recognize the importance of, of being with your people and seeing your people and being visual. And I love what you said about the, the wording that comes with that. If HR comes to, as opposed to you go to HR, um, that's a huge takeaway for a lot of, for me. So I hope for a lot of other HR people as well. Thank, thank God for that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. The next question that I wanted to ask you is, as it relates to, to, there's a chapter in your book where you talk about mentors. And I always have this big um, conversation with my colleagues in terms of, I strongly don't believe in formal mentorships while they serve their purpose, but I believe if it's organic and it happens naturally, that that's the best mentorship that you could have or the best mentor you could have where it happens organically. And I know you talk a bit about that in your book as well, in terms of how you got your mentor, who is still your friend down to this day. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, in terms of reigniting HR, reigniting or igniting that mentorship um, program that you may have in your organization, or you don't have, but you want to start one? How do you feel? Give your, give your feedback in terms of what you think makes a good mentorship program a good mentorship program to me has a couple of components the first thing is organic more than informal like you said because formal usually means you listen to me and tell me i get to tell my war stories about how important i was and my perspective on things and i think that's very one-sided and mentorship is supposed to be multifaceted not just two-sided it's multifaceted we could have a day julie where you and i talk just about an issue. And the next day, we could be talking about football. It, it, that's, it doesn't, it, it's not a, us one versus another. Mm-hmm. When people make it formal, it becomes very scripted and very impersonal. Mm-hmm. And I think, and they're short-lived. When you read, read a lot of the information, they say, you know, set a certain time, only last a year, only do this much, do an hour. We live in a world of interruptions. One of the things I'm working on at work is how to get work done inside the interruptions because the interruptions are going to happen no matter what. So my thing is, what's the best time for us both to talk? Can we talk in different methods? Can we do it electronically? Can we do it on a Zoom meeting? Can we do it on text? Can I pick up the phone and call you? Or can we grab lunch together? There's a multiple different ways to do that. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Can't be formal, should be organic. Mm-hmm. The second thing is this. Uh, you have to be able to vet each other out and say, 
this is a good relationship, it's not a good relationship. We tend to make people suffer in organizations, mm -hmm. like you need coaching, Steve, and so we give Steve a mentor. And we really don't care. I mean, if we were honest, we don't care. We're trying to correct behavior we don't like. Mm -hmm. That's not mentorship. Mentorship yeah. is, uh, I do far more listening than I do telling, mm -hmm. far more. Yeah. And I also, and I know I put it in the book and I don't mean to sound that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't think, I don't think you can be a mentor unless you have a mentor. I just don't. Because you need to have somebody you're always learning from as well mm -hmm. as somebody that can learn from you. Mm -hmm. Now, a great mentor learns from their mentee as well. It's not, not that one-sided top-down exactly. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it can be something simple. We try and make change so massive. Mm -hmm. You know, and honestly, we hate change. When people say, I'm good with change, that's just not true. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm good with, I have to adapt to change. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. And I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. So if I adapt to change, it should be in smaller bite-sized pieces. Yeah. This current situation we're in is an obvious example of how we don't like big change. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody's like, what the heck is this? And, and and uh, instead of saying, oh, I, I was waiting for a pandemic to happen. Wow. Uh, you know, we just don't have that capacity to handle big change. No, we don't. The other thing is, uh, the third thing is this. Mentors don't judge. Mentors listen, and they mm -hmm. shepherd, and they coach, and they move you along. And they also have self-awareness. A mentor can say, hey, I've really enjoyed working with you for a while, but maybe it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. or I think you're looking for something in our relationship that I just can't offer. Yeah. But you know who does? Bob over in finance is mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know what? Can I connect you and Bob and set that up for you and then let me step away? I'll always check in with you. Yeah. And we will always have that relationship. But honestly, right now, we need to make this. We, we've done our time. Yeah. I've had people come in and out of my career mm -hmm. over my 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. uh, people I would consider mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them are, I'm still connected to, but the majority of them I'm not. Right. Uh, so I think you need to be flexible in those relationships as well. Yes. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing. So tell us, Steve, what is your biggest, the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on? Right here, right now. <laughs> I think the biggest misconception is that HR doesn't lead that HR only supports. Mm -hmm. And part of this is we've bought into the myth, into the language, into the approach from organizations. We've taken a second seat because we're sympathetic, empathetic people. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't lead. And we can't wait to lead. We can't wait to be told to lead. We need to lead. And leadership happens when you have people that choose to follow you. And I'm not talking about this big mass gathering. I'm just saying, boy, Julie seems to be on base. I want to go follow what she's doing. I like the direction that she's going. Mm -hmm. If you have that, that's fantastic. But HR people tend to complain about what we don't get to do. It's like we didn't get chosen for a team. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want, to play, I want to play football, but oh, they're not going to choose me because I'm just in HR. Yeah. And we, we have this woe is me type attitude, and, and I hate it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hate it. Yeah. So my thing is, lead from where you are. And here's where the example that you can hang your hat on, and I can't to keep re referencing the current situation. Mm -hmm. What we've learned today because of COVID-19 
is that organizations must be people-centric. In order to survive, they must take care of their people because this is a people issue. Yes. Big time. Yes. Now, when you, when you peel that back, every issue in an organization is mm -hmm. people-oriented. When you ask people what's going on, they don't say, boy, we're down behind in production. They'll say, Sam down in production and Cindy's down in production. They all of a sudden personalize it. So their focus is about people. Yes. Who has the chance to work with people? We do. We do. Mm -hmm. So right now you've seen HR take this giant leadership jump. Yes. My thing is we should do this to help the company perform, not just in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. It's great that we're looked at upon times in crisis, but wouldn't it be better if we were the resource to go to to say, how do you get my people to do their best in order for us to perform? Absolutely. It's Absolutely. time for us to step into that. I agree 100%. And I'm going to clap for that. <laughs> because that, yes, definitely the sauce. So, Steve, what are you reading right now? What are you watching right now, listening to right now that you think other HR professionals should be doing the same? I'm uh, reading Welcome, what's it called? Malcolm Gladwell's most recent book. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, strangers, the, the power of strangers. And it's fascinating because mm -hmm. we think we're so connected to everybody, especially through social media and all this kind of stuff. We're really not. Mm -hmm. We don't take time for each other. We listen to each other. We have perceptions of each other. Mm -hmm. But Gladwell talks about the power of strangers in our life. And it is so good. Wow. Uh, that's the big one I'm reading. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I forget the title, but I'm not a big title person. I just right. like my, Malcolm Gladwell. He's a great thinker. Uh -huh. And then uh, there's a book by Chris Dunn uh, called The Nine Faces of HR. Yes, I have and, that book. I oh, yeah. Chris, oh, my gosh. Uh, Chris takes the nine, the nine box model and has nine, nine personas of HR. Mm -hmm. And I love Chris. He's a great guy, great, mm -hmm. good friend. Uh, but he really gives some really good definition around what you do and how you approach HR. Mm -hmm. Not that any one of them is right or wrong. Right. It's just that they're available. Yeah. I think a lot of us in HR are looking for definition mm -hmm. and find uh, you know, our purpose, so, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, this helps helps in that quite a bit. And uh, it's very down to earth. It's very conversational. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really like Chris's style. So those yeah. two things are what I'm reading the most right now. Okay, great. So... Ladies and gentlemen, now know have some additional references that you can go to to learn a bit more about your profession. What is next for Steve Brown? Oh gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's uh, I think read that for a second. <laughs> oh yeah, it was funny. Um, I have another year to serve on the Sherm board, which is mm -hmm. exciting. So I'll be serving through Sherm through twenty twenty one, and I really enjoy the role. I mm -hmm. hope to get some more chances to speak, uh, mm -hmm. to get out and see my peers. Uh, not so that they can hear and listen to me and sit at my feet, but so I can meet more HR people. Yeah. Uh, because that drives me incredibly, mm -hmm. still drives me. Yeah. Uh, I have another book coming out in June mm -hmm. called HR Rising, and mm -hmm. it's talking about leadership uh, from where you are as an HR professional. Uh, and I sound so arrogant. I don't mean it that way. I'm just mm -hmm. fortunate that I get to, to write another book. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I think it's a, a chance to have people continue to reflect and mm -hmm. look at the profession differently. And if that happens, that's great. But as yeah. for what I'm doing specifically, yeah. I'm in the thick of things just like everybody else. I mean, mm -hmm. every day changes here, yeah. uh, which is 
which is interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. You and I were talking prior to getting on the recording about agility. Yes. Uh, agility and adaptability should become the forefront of who we are as a profession. Uh, this pandemic shows that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to adapt today, and an hour later, you might have to adapt again. Yes. I think that's going to become more of the pattern going going forward. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to slip back into the, the comfort of just, you know, it was funny. When people say when they want things to go back to normal, they don't. They just want to go back to ease of comfort. Uh, I, I want HR to be uncomfortable going forward from yes. now on. Yeah. Because when discomfort happens, you change. Yeah. So and great I don't things try. come out of great things come out of discomfort. I've seen yes. that. I've lived it. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. And I don't try to be very uh, predictable. It drives mm -hmm. my wife nuts. Uh, you know, I tend <laughs> to be like, "What are we doing today?" I have no idea, and I go from there. <laughs> oh, so it was such a pleasure speaking to you today. I do want to talk one last thing about your. HR community. So on Twitter, you have huge following. Hashtag HR community. What does HR community mean to you? I think it's a place to gather. And I know that sounds a little different because it's kind of ethereal and, and you know electronic. But when people use that hashtag, it's interesting. Uh, when you see things on social media, you see what trends, and what trends is what has value. Yeah. And what's funny is when people start attaching themselves to that hashtag that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Not just people, but vendors and uh, speakers and conferences are starting to say, oh, this is where everybody is. Mm -hmm. So if people are there to gather, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for me as well is I will only put stuff out there that lifts people up and encourages people. Mm -hmm. I think community should build up, not tear down. Exactly. There's far too much in the world where people tear each other down. Mm -hmm. and we should have at least one place where that doesn't happen. Yeah. So, you know, to meet you virtually uh, on Twitter and find out that you live in the Caribbean and I live in Ohio, fascinating to me. Yeah. But, but we share so much more in common than we think. Absolutely. So, so if there's a way to connect us, I think mm -hmm. that hashtag does that well. It really does. And I, I really am grateful to be a part of the hashtag HR community. I've met some really amazing people as a result coming out of it. And I, I do believe it really is a great place for us to gather. And I think it transcends, it transcends, um, it transcends borders. Like never the more, never more than before has the HR community become borderless. This pandemic has brought us together in, in a way that I don't know that would have happened had it not been for this pandemic. And while it is sure. a horrible thing because people are getting sick, people are dying, people are losing family members, loved ones, all around us, we are still finding ways to stay together, to be together, to remove the things that would have stopped us from being people before and so i am grateful for for my hashtag hr community and i'm grateful for you steve brown where can people find you on social media my friend uh the two places i'm most active uh twitter of course uh, my ha handle name mm -hmm. whatever it's called 
at S Brown with an E. So it's S B R O W N E H R, all one word. Uh, then LinkedIn. Right. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn as yeah. well, uh, where I like to share contents. Uh, and also on Twitter, I share content. I'm very rarely do you see me putting stuff out about myself. I want to mm-hmm. see other people's work elevated. Yes. Really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. And I hope that HR is feeling reignited from your nugget of wisdom and your experiences. And I hope that for those of you who have not read HR on purpose, I will be sharing the link to the Amazon to Amazon um, in the podcast. And I will also be sharing the link to HR Rise once it is out. Can we go on the waiting list now, Steve? Sure. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you don't know? Okay. Uh, I'll check. It, I'll it, check it out on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, Sherm, they're working on the final edits right now, but okay. it'll come through Sherm just like the other one did it, but it'll right. be out on Amazon as well. Yes. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I wish you all the best. I'm sure this is not the last first, first time experience, but definitely not the last that we will see you in the sound booth. But thank you so much for being here and thank you to our audience for listening. And we look forward to having you again when we next sound off. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.